What's up, everybody? Hello and welcome to episode number 141, I think. Two, I think. Yeah, 142. I just flicked back to the title screen again. 142 of the VK Bros. With me, Jason Von Cannell, and my brother and bro host, Alex Von Cannell. How are you, dude? Bro host, I like that. Yeah, yeah, it just came to me. Uh, we, We got so much to talk about this week. So much to talk about this week. Like, there's been so much happening during the week, so we're going to probably be touching on a whole bunch of different stories, like... You know, there's obviously there's something I want to speak about quickly with the the Pentagon document leaks. Dan Andrews gets accused of grey, well, not even accused, confirmed grey corruption again uh, from IBAC. We've got the Fox News court case. We've got the RBA potentially having their rate setting powers removed from them. We've got the World Health Organization trying to do their pandemic treaty again. We've got Facebook participating in more censorship that's not COVID-related again. Like, there's so much going on. So, I'm going to let you start the ball off, Alex. Where do you want to start this week? We're going to start with none of those subjects. We're going to start with... Nice curveball. The the SEC... The SEC... uh, You down with SEC? Garrett... Hey? You down with SEC? Yeah, you you know know me. Um, so this week, they the SEC got put in front of some chair. I don't know if it was Senate or Congress. I think it was mm-hmm. Senate. And has been absolutely smashed, which right. is which was I found weird. I, I, like it was not what I was expecting. I've got a couple of clips that I wanted to show just to kind of think. So yeah, the yeah. SEC Security Exchange Commission, he, we, I've spoken about here before, he's been on this real uh, attack against cryptocurrency mm. recently, was also sitting in the chair when all these banks fell over, right? Yeah. So How convenient. Um, yeah, I, I've got a couple of clips that I want to show. Mm-hmm. So this one says, uh, this entire opening exchange from Representative Patrick McHenry, the chair, Gensler, is worth watching in full. Um, I asked you this in private. You should not be surprised. That's yeah, it says, is Ether a security um, or not? It's a very simple question. Hmm. Ether is one of the um, most popular digital assets and powers of Ethereum blockchain. Uh, back in 2018, then SEC Corporation Finance Director Bill Henman uh, stated that he believed Ether was not a security. Uh, last month, CFTC Chair uh, Benham expressed his view that Ether is a commodity. Uh, The state attorney general of New York asserted in a court filing last month that Ether is a security. Clearly, an asset cannot be both a commodity and a security. Do you agree? Um, I... I, The guy on the screen now for video watchers, this is the swine himself, Gary Gensler. He sucks. (laughs) <laughs> Actually, all securities are commodity under the Commodity and Exchange Act. It's that we are excluded commodities. But I would agree that a security cannot be also an excluded commodity and an included commodity. I'm sorry, Chair, just to talk about the Commodity Exchange Act more precisely. Okay, so do you recognize, uh, how would you categorize Ether then? I think that the general sweep of what Congress did, not just in the 30s, but as amended I'm asking you, sitting in your chair now to make an assessment under the laws as exist, is Ether a commodity 
or a security. Without speaking to anyone, I know you. Did you see his hand shaking? It was yeah. like shake. Oh, I'll just go back a, a smidge. Look at his hand. Or a security. Without speaking to anyone, I know you've okay. repeatedly said that you're not going to speak to facts. one, except you've spoken to one, Bitcoin. So I'm asking you to speak to a second one, the lar second largest market cap here. And speaking to the tokens, there's 10 to 12,000. If there's a group of entrepreneurs in I'm the asking middle, about one. the public <laughs> is anticipating a profit based on the- I'm asking a specific <laughs> question, Chair Gensler. I said this in private. This should be no shock to you. I'm asking this question. Is, it an ether, is ether a commodity or a security? And again, it depends on the facts and the law. And if there's a group of individuals- I'm asking you about the, the facts middle. and the law sitting in your seat and the judgment you are making. And so, uh, Mr. Chair, I think you, you would not want me to prejudge because I'm also- But you have prejudged on this. You've taken, you've taken 50 enforcement actions. We're finding out as we go, as you file suit, as people get Wells notices on what is a security. Now, ETH, to, to cut him some slack, Ethereum is a tricky one because it could be, so for, for those that don't know, the uninitiated, Ethereum is the second largest uh, uh, crypt, uh, cryptocurrency. It's got a massive, massive market cap. But the beauty of it, of that blockchain is that you can build businesses on it using smart contracts. They give you the ability to transfer have your own tokens you can mint your own tokens on the ethereum blockchain mm -hmm. so it is a very complicated ecosystem in 2017 i was convinced that ethereum was going to be the new internet looks like i was wrong but i guess picking out that token in particular is definitely the hardest one because it is a very very different thing however you should know the answer especially mm. if you're suing them right well yeah he's the okay. decision maker like your decision yeah, exactly. makers who are loading up on court cases cannot be so ambiguous on the designation. And uh, I, I'm sure that you're going to get further into this, which is going to sort of fill this out a little bit more. But my first, my first gut instinct is you, he obviously doesn't want to designate whether or not it is either or because they lawmakers typically want things to be as vague as possible so they can apply laws as they wish to rather than based on what the facts are yeah absolutely absolutely uh here's another little uh crack that uh, this guy has on him okay so let me just step back there's a lack of clarity here in the marketplace can you at least agree to that I think that the clarity is there. The law is clear. All that right. There's a group so let, of let me let me be let me be explicit on. about this. The market doesn't see it. Your regulatory actions and the CFTC's regulatory actions say that there's a great deal of uncertainty here. It is the intention of this committee to fix that uncertainty and actually uh, provide a sound legal basis for this. So let me get into your rulemaking uh, process. So you promote you pr uh, propose 53 rules in two years. Barry Joe White proposed 23, Jay Clayton proposed 26. Um, at the same time, your agency has consistently provided less comment period than, than either of those, uh, either of your predecessors. Just as one example, when the SEC made significant changes to the US equity markets in, in 2005 uh, for regulation M NMS, the commission broadly solicited public feedback, held numerous roundtables, issued white papers and concept releases. Fast forward to today, you propose four equity market structure proposals. 
that would impact millions of retail investors, and you provided a mere 60 days of comments on, uh, on 1,600 pages of regulations. Hmm. So let me ask you this. Do shorter comment periods and less public interaction improve rulemaking? Oh. Um, we actually put out the equity market structure rules, had 105 days of comment from the time we voted it out through March 31st. But I think robust public input helps us greatly, and we take comments on our rules. Our average has been about 70-plus days overall. But we also get comments And I want to get into the cost-benefit analysis, but my, my time has expired. Uh, with that, I'll... Um, there's been almost no consultation with industry. Yeah. And there's a way that you can tell. Uh, now, th th this guy here, just mute your mic if you need Yeah, that. sorry, man. Um, uh, th this one I won't play. He basically says, "Do you ever have you ever owned any cryptocurrencies?" They said no. And he goes, "Have you ever had a wallet?" He said no. And have you ever anything to do with digital currencies? No. And he goes, "But you took a class, like you actually held a class like years ago about blockchain." And yeah. So he's supposed to be the guy, and he's never had it. Uh, there, we, there is a guy that went. Just to put that in perspective, it's literally like when you're in primary school getting sex ed from the teacher that you know has never been laid that's the same yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, how yeah, much respect yeah. do you have for that guy all right this guy the failures are many but let me cite some of the abuses you average more than two rules proposals a month you inappropriately provide inappropriately short comment periods you have unworkable and unlawful esg disclosure mandates on the market you have essentially a Hotel California rule for crypto where you can check in anytime you like, but you can never leave. <laughs> the failures are many, but let me cite some of the abuses. You average more than two rules proposals. Sorry, yeah, that's I didn't realize that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There was a long one. So he, now he's referring, and I've made mention of that here, the Brian Armstrong. Brian Armstrong, the boss of uh, Coinbase, mm -hmm. He, they've just been given a Wells notice. This is this was uh, probably three or four weeks ago. They were yep. given a Wells notice, which means you're about to get sued by the SEC. Yeah. So he, but he, he said to Gensler and all these committees, he's like, okay, well, tell us what we did wrong. Oh no, 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 we'll tell you when we're in court. And he's like, well, tell me now. I'll fix it now. Hmm. Like, what law have I broken? Nah, well, you've broken laws, but uh, we can't tell you until court. And he goes, well, hold on. You read our business plan, right? he's like well what do you mean well we're a publicly listed company so you have to go through the sec to get listed uh on the uh, nasdaq in the united states yep. they had done all of that they had gone through all of it they passed with flying colors they've been a publicly listed company for three years and now all of a sudden they're breaking the law mm -hmm. and one of the guys pulls him up on it and says uh we're actually this might be the guy here hold on this is the guy Just make sure you you'll like this. Either. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Uh, could you hear that? No, I couldn't. Okay. Uh, you, you'll like this. You'll like this. Five minutes. Thank you. Chair Gensler, I have a lot of questions in a limited amount of time. So if you could keep your answers to either a yes or a no, that will allow us to get through as many as possible, sir. From your perspective, is it more difficult now for the digital asset industry to access financial products and services in the United States than it was, say, two years ago? Uh, 
Sir, I, I, I'm not running one of those businesses. If they came into compliance, I think uh, reclaiming my it. time. The answer, sir, is yes. Do you think you and the SEC have had a role to play in that? I think we have a role to protect the American investor and the capital markets and the reclaiming my time, sir. You have played an <laughs> during your tenure at the SEC. How many rules has the SEC finalized? that actually accommodate the existing regulatory framework and are specifically to the digital ind asset industry so the crypto market can come into compliance. It's our rule books that are on the books for years, so we have not finalized any new rule specifically with regard to crypto. We've proposed things in best execution. We've also... Uh, Sir, reclaiming my time. The answer is zero. <laughs> <laughs> levied against digital asset companies during your tenure, sir? I think it's probably 40 or 50. The answer, sir, is about 55. My understanding is that the biggest crypto failure in history is probably FTX at $9 billion. Were you the chairman of the SEC when FTX collapsed? Yes. And how many times did you meet with FTX prior to their collapse? I think my public record shows two. You met it with FTX at least twice. And arguably, the second biggest crypto failure in history was Terra Luna. Who was the chairman of the SEC when Terra Luna collapsed, sir? We had brought... Uh, you were, sir, reclaiming my time. <laughs> there are five members on the commission. Do you believe your speeches and interviews are to serve as the official position of the SEC? There, uh, I can only speak for myself when I'm speaking. Again, sir. In a statement on the SEC website, you are quoted saying the Kraken staking as a service enforcement action should make clear to the marketplace that staking as a service providers must register. But again, you haven't provided any rules for how that can be done. I must remind you, your public statements are not regulations. It's not responsible to expect the American people to assume your statements are a substitute for rules. Do you agree with this statement regarding the digital asset industry? The SEC needs additional congressional authorities to prevent transactions, products, and platforms from falling between the regulatory cracks. I think that it's a non largely non-compliant field. And Sir, again, I, I asked you to comply with my uh, questions, and I'm asking you if you agree with that quote. And I, I'm going to tell you, I'm quoting you from an <laughs> August 3rd, 2021 article where you, uh, and I believe you told uh, Congressman Hill earlier that you need congressional authority to regulate stable coins and stable coins happen to be a significant percentage of the crypto market. So the question is, when were you telling the truth to Mr. Hill or to me? Uh, you've got to start answering these questions in a more uh, transparent manner, sir. Does it concern you, by the way, that your approach to the industry is actually driving this industry out of the United States? We're trying to drive it to compliance, and if they're not complying with the laws, then they shouldn't be offering their products. Reclaiming my time. Uh, Madam Chair, I would like to enter into the record this Wall Street Journal article from April 14th, 2023, detailing China's ploy to open its banking system to crypto firms in an effort to seize an opportunity created by our hostile regulatory environment, which, uh, Mr. Chair, you're a big With, part of. Without Look, objection. Chair Gensler, FTX was domiciled abroad and so is Binance, yet American consumers still had access to both. You can't really think that pushing this industry abroad is going to protect American consumers when it hasn't several times in the past on your watch. 
You say the crypto market is rife with non-compliance. However, existing SEC rules make no sense for blockchain-based companies and following them would actually kill these businesses. Your regulatory style lacks flexibility and nuance, and as a result, you've been an incompetent cop on the beat, doing nothing to protect everyday Americans and pushing American firms into the hands of the CCP. Your intention to work against SEC mission and put American investors in harm's way has been made very apparent, sir. It's been a year and a half since you've appeared before this committee. You need to answer to Congress about the issues that you've had with the SEC staff union, the work environment you've cultivated at the SEC that's led to hemorrhaging of senior staff, the intellectual inconsistency of your regulatory treatment towards Bitcoin spot ETFs, and your politicization of capital formation opportunities times your expired. treatment of certain SPACs. And that's just to name a few. This is my new favorite guy. I love this guy. <laughs> What's his name? Who's Mr. Emma? Mr. Emma. E-M-M-E-R. He rocks. And he he really, he nailed it. Uh, hold, hold um, on, you just froze up a little bit. Yeah, they on. are put... Sorry, let me... Oh. There we go. They are trying to get rid of... They are trying to push crypto out of the country. Like, yeah. it's as clear as day. They, Silver Bank, they got rid of the on and off ramps for yep. crypto and now they're they're chasing the um the exchanges mm. so i don't want to harp on it too much it's a story i'll keep an eye on we've got heaps to, to go yeah, on don't harp on it too much gary Gensler sucks all I, wanna, guy, he rocks. all I want to say briefly about this is i think that there are two parts to that particular story which i'm just seeing mirrored all around the world over and over again and those two parts of this number one the problem is with an unelected bureaucrat who has far too yeah. much control and no accountability to anyone. Because I'm assuming this congressional hearing is just like all the you know estimates hearings we have over here in Australia, where they get these bureaucrats in front of them, they scorch them. The sound bites sound great, like that was very enjoyable, but nothing's going to happen to him, right? Yeah, that, that's a big free, issue. Yeah. And number two, you are you're absolutely correct and and so was emma that they are trying to push cryptocurrency off the cliff they don't want cryptocurrency around and or they either Mm. don't want it around at all or they don't want competition for the central bank digital currency that they're planning on bringing in in october okay and the reason why i think it's earlier i think it's july okay maybe it is i i'd heard it was october but it could be july i'm not 100 yeah fed now fed now it's july yeah so that very well could be it. They very well could be trying to push all of these other cryptocurrencies out of the market so that if you do want to use crypto, you've got no choice but to use FedNow. And that that I'm seeing in, in a lot of these stories we're going to be talking about, that is the same sentiment that I'm seeing. What are they what what is the government doing? They have identified a freedom of currently available to American citizens. And they're trying to take that away from them, mm. right? Because that's what crypto is. It was It's a decentralized system. That's the whole point of crypto. Decentralized, it gives you freedom that you don't have without it. And they're trying to remove that freedom. Very, very interesting. And without getting, without getting too technical, I would cop all of the... I want regulation in crypto. Yeah. So I want it. But I want it for the real stuff. So, you know, when they say, like, they go, oh, crypto is used for drugs. And I know they, there's nothing they can do about that because mm-hmm. cash is used for drugs also, yeah. right? So if you, you can't ban one because of that. 
But there are some things in the industry that do need to get rid of. Things like rug pulls. So, so things yeah. like um, shit coins where they, they literally just post something up. They have a website and um, they sell these, unre- these tokens that suck. There should be some form of verification. Yeah. And I reckon the industry can do it. I think if, like Binance, for example, if Binance puts you through a rigorous uh, system, like a, like a uh, you have to go through a process to get your coin listed. Yep. So it's very rare that they have a shit coin on there. But I remember in the last bull run, I had people that had never been in crypto texting me and said, oh, have you heard about pink dick coin? Yeah. Um, you can't get it on, on, on any exchange, but you go to the website and I've just put two grand on, they reckon it's going to moon. Well, that like do something about the actually damaging stuff, like yeah. that stuff. That yep. stuff sucks. But, but, but to you're... go and try and attack these companies that are really building, like solving problems in the real world, it's it it looks it it's it looks too much like what you just said, mm. and not what it should be. Yeah, because the issue is this is a universal problem with regulation because they do like I'm with you. Everything needs some level of regulation, but they seem yeah. to regulate the things that negatively impact citizens, and they don't regulate the things which benefit elites. Like you said, rug yeah. pulls. Rug pulls benefit benefited elites who were, who were uh, profiting from the rug pulls. Like, look at, um, you know, for, for example, like we've, we've spoken about the pharmaceutical industries for the last three years because of COVID. There's so much regulation in pharmaceutical industries, but all of the regulators are industry funded. That should be regulated against. Like, it should be yeah. illegal for you to literally buy favour from a medical regulator, which is exactly what they're doing like lobbying government like the the you know the millions of dollars pouring in from pharmaceutical companies to lobby government figures that should be regulated against like they it's, they... Uh, it's like this the referees on sports fields are not paid for by the coaches of the teams yeah exactly exactly right right and that's what these industries are mm. and the SEC is the same and they they have like um, some of those other speakers had, had talked about how it is 86% uh, industry funded and that's a problem. Yeah. And here's... But let's move on. Let's move yeah, on to the I'm, I'm going to use this to segue into something else, but here, here's the yeah. other problem that I'm seeing everywhere around the world. So the problems are with these unelected bureaucrats, right, who have no accountability mm-hmm. and yet they have all the power and more mm-hmm. and more governments who are elected who do who are accountable to the people who elected them in the first place they're ceding more and more of that power to bureaucracies and then they're hiding behind them going oh like you know we couldn't do anything about it it's it's the bureaucracy like it's the rba or it's the world health organization so that's two stories that that we can sort of segue to next so we could either go rba or we could go world health organization which one would you prefer let's go rba okay so, big story out of this week was that there has been a. Uh, oh, here we go. Like, maybe just go and go into the story if uh, if you can, because instead of me outlining it, the uh, article from the Age will probably outline it way better. Could you zoom in slightly? So, this article from the Age uh, is called "The Biggest Shakeup in a Generation: RBA Board to Lose Rate Setting Powers." The Reserve Bank Board will be stripped of its power to set interest rates and replaced by a board of monetary policy experts under the biggest shake-up to Australia's economic policy settings in a generation. 
Treasurer Jim Chalmers will on Thursday release the independent review of the RBA, which recommends that the current board focus should be on the operation of the bank rather than the setting of interest rates every month. Scrolling down. The change would bring the Reserve Bank into line with its international peers, such as the Bank of England, while ending a system that was first proposed during the Great Depression. It would be the largest shake-up to the bank since it started targeting inflation in the early 1990s. The governor of the RBA will also front a press conference after meetings to publicly explain the bank's decisions. It is not yet known if the government or the board will appoint the specialist board and the governor's role on it is not confirmed. The review, the first outside examination of the bank since the early 1980s, we haven't looked at this since the 1980s, was prompted by Sydney Morning Herald an age investigation that showed concerns about how the bank was operating monetary policy before the COVID-19 pandemic. Anger over the bank has intensified since then after the RBA started tightening monetary policy in May last year, having earlier signalled it would hold official interest rates at 0.1% until 2024. Uh, I don't think it was 20... Hold on. I I think that is... So, old mate... uh, Philip Lowe Lowe didn't say 24. He He said 25. Mm -hmm. He said 25 in 2020. And that's why the the housing went apeshit. Oh, sorry. He said 25 in 2020, did you say? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He said twenty four in twenty twenty one. Yeah. Yeah. But that's that's what we, when you look at house prices going at like setting on fire. Yeah. It was through twenty twenty when he said I can't see interest rates going up until twenty twenty five. Yeah. Until we experience real wage growth, which we haven't experienced either, but we have experienced ten interest rate rises. Yeah. Uh, so Chalmers will announce in-principle agreement with all 51 recommendations made by the review panel made up of international monetary policy expert Carolyn Wilkins, who sits on the Bank of England's Financial Policy Committee. The interim director of the Crawford School at the Australian National University, Renee Fry McKibben, and the secretary for public sector reform, Gordon De Brewer. The recommendations include affirming the RBA's independence from the governor, uh, government of the day and its overriding policy aim to keep inflation between 2 and 3%. Chalmers said the panel had delivered a significant piece of work and noted he would work across the parliament to implement its recommendations. Uh, the review is all about ensuring Australia's central bank and monetary policy arrangements are as strong and effective as they can be into the future, he said. Unlike most central banks, the monetary policy is set by the RBA's board of non-monetary policy experts. An idea first proposed by Great Depression-era Labor Treasurer Ted Theodore. One of those great ideas. Most central banks have moved to separate uh, monetary policy committees while the operation of the bank itself is left to the governor or the board of directors similar to a private company. Any move to a separate monetary policy specialist committee would likely require change in the RBA's operating legislation. Change in the RBA Act would put pressure on both the government and coalition to take a bipartisan approach to reforming the bank. Shadow Treasurer Angus Taylor, who has held his own briefings with the review panel, received a copy of the report earlier in the week. Taylor said it was vital to Australia that it had an independent, credible and capable reserve bank, in quotes. It is essential the review's recommendations are agreeable for both major parties. This will ensure certainty around the outcome of this review. With inflation at its highest level in decades, this is in the best interest of Australians, he said. Outside of interest rates, the RBA board oversees the payment system and is currently debating the use of cryptocurrencies and the creation of a central bank digital coin. 
In other countries, with specialist committees of monetary policy experts, central banks usually meet every six to eight weeks. The Reserve currently meets every month. At present, Governor Philip Lowe, whose seven-year term is due to end in September, and Deputy Michelle Bullock have prime responsibility for outlining the bank's view on interest rates. Moving to a specialist committee would enable members to outline their own perspectives on the economy and monetary policy. Blah, blah, blah. We don't have to continue on. Yeah, so uh, what, are your, um, what are your thoughts? So here's my initial thoughts. Number one, I think it's fucking bonkers that we haven't looked at this since the 80s. That's, that's, that's called completely falling asleep at the wheel because the economy went good in the 90s. So they were like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Like, why would we review anything? Which is ludicrous to me. Number two, I do have a real concern with just appointing another committee. Because at the end of the day, this is exactly what I was saying before. It's just another bureaucracy of unelected, unaccountable people who can continue to do whatever they want to do. So that I do have a problem with. Um, But something has to happen. It's clear as day that the RBA has completely mishandled our economy. I think it's not only the interest rates, which is a massive debacle. Like for them to come out and make those claims that rates weren't going to increase until 24 or 25. And I can, I can, I can let them get away with the fact that they said 25 in 2020 pre pre pandemic really kicking in. I can give you a pass to that if that's the case, but to say 24 in 2021, when we all knew all the downturns were happening in the economy and there was already the whispers of the Ukraine Russia conflict starting it was really like that's a massive fuck up and anyone who is in a position so important who makes such a big mistake you should just lose your job like that's just not yeah. good enough you gotta go yeah. if if you made a mistake like that working at a car dealership you would get fired right yeah. you would, and you and your reputation would be dog shit too like you'd never get a job again so yeah those those are my initial thoughts on it what are yours it's a 50-50 chance whether it goes, it's either going to go good or it's going to go shit. Yeah. I, I'm with you. I don't think, you know, I feel like you're replacing a turd sandwich with a douchebag. Like you don't know, yeah. you don't know what you're getting. I, I yeah. It's a, it's a tricky one because there are some levers that need to be pulled. Yeah. And, um, you know, a small part of me goes, well, why shouldn't that just be a function of government? Like why shouldn't the government just take on you know the monetary policy of 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 the of the country <clears throat> you know like like for example yeah. there's no there's no saudi uh reserve bank like no. it's the king's rummet you know um i guess in a way it's not just maybe a bad example they got unlimited money but yeah i was gonna say it's not just monetary policy though like the reserve bank obviously it's our bank reserves so you probably don't really want the government themselves in control of all the money too. But if it just comes down to setting interest rates, is that what you're mainly referring to? Well, yeah, because I mean, that's all they can do in that regard, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of on and offshore dealing. There's a lot of uh, skullduggery that happens on global markets as well. Yeah. yeah. I still think and- that, to a degree, having a committee, as much as I've got concerns with it, it also probably does have the upside that if the government was controlling it, they would end up making decisions based on whoever came to them in the background and gave them the most money to make decisions that benefited them. Like, you know, you would, do you, you think you wouldn't get lobbying from the banks in regards yeah. to setting interest rates? Um, 
And, oh, sorry, one of the points I was going to say before about not just the interest rate debacle, but uh, them just lending $180 billion to the retail banks at a fixed rate of 0.1% during the pandemic to hashtag stimulate the economy. And they lent it out with a 25 to 3% margin on it. And now we've got rampant inflation, but they lent that money out at a, a discounted fixed rate. Like, that's a fuck up too. Like, that that's... That never should have happened. Never should have happened in a million years. And even you experienced it in your business. They kept spruiking all of these business loans to simulate the economy, and they weren't even—they wouldn't even talk to you about them because the banks were just lending it out to safer retail people and just taking the three percent margin. Yeah, there should be some kind of reparation paid for that. Um, the bank, the, the the banks can go like e- even if. Even if you split the difference, I'm not saying that they the bank should have to pay all that money back because I've given it, you know. Yeah. But I sh- I think I think there should be a hey guys like come on, yeah. that's pure margin. Yep. Let's go halves, you know. Yeah. Okay. Um. Now maybe someone's getting halves. Who knows? Someone yeah. might be getting yeah. a, a, a little something something and. Mm. Uh. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see. I think we should just follow this story. Let's just take this story yeah. on notice and let's keep an eye on it because I yeah. I think there'll be more developments um, as things move forward. Uh, what's next? I'm struggling to find the IBAC stuff. Okay. IBAC. Uh, Voice of Victoria will have that. So yeah, while you... Tr- it's while you... old stuff. Yeah, okay. Well, yeah, because there's been so stuff. many IBAC cases. Yeah, there's so many. Yeah, it's yeah. from 2019. Just while you try to find it, I'll, I'll give a bit of a lead in. So there was another IBAC. So that's the um, anti-corruption watchdog in Victoria. There was another IBAC report handed down this week, which again paints the Dan Andrews government as uh, participating in corruption. The word they used is grey corruption because it's sort of a technicality not like it's not really criminal but it's probably unethical and what this is referring to is back before the last election so not not the most recent one but the previous one a few years ago are you right dude i'm struggling 2017 dan andrews <laughs> iback so all i searched was iback voice okay and here i'll, I'll pull the screen up just so yeah, we, can, yeah. we can see okay so i just did iback voice that's all I said. All right. So, so we know is IBAC only Victoria? Yes. Okay. So, I mean, that's well. There's him. Twenty nineteen. Uh... So hold on. Go on. Go back up to the one that was twenty nineteen because I think that's what this one's referring. Yeah, that's that's the one. Yeah, but let, let, let me just do this. So, so okay, yeah. uh, April April nineteen. Um, then down here, uh, April seventeen uh april 17 yeah that was, was just a news story saying that that report was going to come out on the wednesday so okay, just, so just go one. into the report itself so i'll just i'll just give you the title here so iback finds victorian government advisors put pressure on public servants to award contract to a union so i'm not going to read this one because i'm just going to give you the gist of it essentially it was just before uh, at the previous election, so not the last one, the one before that, and it, about a so there's a thing called a caretaker period when you're going into an election, and what that is is a period of I think it's like two to four weeks, 
just before the election where essentially government shuts down and they can't make any any additional decisions or you know give any grants or do any things because they don't want to muddy the waters of the election itself so about a week before that caretaker period started dan andrews and his his cabinet so it wasn't him specifically because it's never linked to him even though he knows everything but nothing at the same time his uh cabinet members had put pressure on a committee to give a grant to a healthcare union of 1.2 million dollars which was to be put towards uh, a training course and they they put pressure on and they got this deal done the week before that caretaker period began so that's already uh unethical the problem was too the money was given the election then happened and then it turned out that the training that was to be provided was not through a um a an approved provider so the training itself actually never even took place so it looks like just a sneaky way to give the healthcare union and we all know the labor government and the workers union connections but to give them a sneaky 1.2 million dollars to maybe sweeten the deal and and get a few extra votes for danny andrews well what i found interesting there was also there's a lot of talk about a bunch of victorian construction jobs that aren't going to go ahead now yeah yeah because victoria is essentially running out of money right and i remember before the election the the previous state election remember there was that there was the union um the speech the Mm -hmm. guy had recorded and the guy said guys you might think he's a fucking dickhead right but dan andrews has got this job this job this job this job so don't vote for him vote for your job that's right that's exactly now it looks like some of those jobs are going to (coughs) go yeah now they don't have any money no and and the thing is too that those projects are being heavily affected by the interest rate rises because just Mm. like regular people the amount of debt that victoria holds well the bill on that debt is getting higher and higher every time the rates rise and but you're right so there yeah there was the whole don't vote i know he's a dickhead but just like vote for your job and now they're talking about well there was another story you might even see it on voice victoria about uh the airport uh suburban rail link that was like the big project and dan andrews apparently had gone to anthony albanese going oh hey can you just delay that money that you're going to give us for like four years and try to keep it sort of on the slide so in other words the project that was supposed to pay every every union workers bills who just uh voted for him they were going to delay it four years because what would happen in four years time oh another election cycle so then you can use that same promise to buy those same votes again next election cycle and for half the price because you spread it across two different election cycles yeah 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 (laughs) like stockholm syndrome's real right like oh yeah how how many of these things is it gonna take before the victorian people actually hold this bloke accountable I and just... they even re- they refer to it as a thing called grey corruption. Like, there's actually even a word for it. It's grey corruption. Because the problem with IBAC in Victoria, it's a pretty much a toothless tiger in that it cannot do anything unless there is a, they can confirm criminal conduct. And obviously, when it comes to public office, the benchmark for criminal conduct is pretty high. 
So all of this unethical, immoral stuff that he does with Victorian taxpayers' money, like no no one would appreciate what he's doing apart from the people yeah. whose money whose pockets he's putting money in. But technically, it's not a crime. So he just gets to skate through every single time. What's the line that he says when Ibac says, "Oh, you've been a dud. Uh, you're a thief. You're a liar. You're a cheat. You're you're a scammer." What oh, kind that's of stuff their does opinion. He say? Yeah, and the latest one was like. It's interesting education. Yeah. Like, it just... Teflon-coated. Teflon-coated. Yeah. He's unstoppable. The only way you can stop this bloke is to vote him out. And you have to be very careful doing that too. Victorians, you won't because you're pussies. Yeah. Yeah. Cucked out. You love it. Absolutely cucked out. Govern me harder, Danny. Yeah. Uh, Facebook. Right. So, next story... Everyone has heard about the Facebook censorship and a brief story on on the the podcast side of this. One of the things that I get really frustrated and pissed off about with Facebook is how often they will send me an email going, hey, VK bros, want to grow your audience? Just pay $15 to boost your next post and you'll be seen by X amount of people. And it's like, Hey, Facebook, the only reason why my posts aren't seen by anyone is because I post about COVID-19 and I'm on your banned list. <laughs> like, yeah. it's fucked. Anyway, we... Everyone well, hold on. Know- just, before you, just before you gloss over it, just for the people that don't know or don't believe it, there, there'll, be, there'll be pages that we follow that don't ju- just do, like, Rona stuff and they can show that they'll get, like, 20,000 impressions on a non-COVID thing. Yeah. And then as soon as I put COVID up, nine. And these people have like hundreds of thousands of followers. Yeah. And I'll get like nine impressions. Now, we know for a fact from the, tw- the, the the Twitter files, we know for a fact that there was government agencies talking to, like they had a back door or front or walk through the front door and yeah. had policies change and very easy to skim i mean we we ran a demonstration here like mm-hmm. we we tried we played a trick and actually who was the discernible did a great one yeah where they put the covid thing that they wanted but they put um black lives matter um yeah. get vaccinated they put all these things on it and it got shown to a whole bunch of people so it, it's right. it's not it's it it is a real real thing and yeah it sucks and, and to be fair to people who don't really believe it I wouldn't have believed it either if we didn't start this podcast during COVID because we, we, we have experienced it and that might sound like an excuse or whatever, because, you know, it might sound like sour grapes that our channel hasn't grown very fast and, and whatever. But the reality is we just, we just don't get any exposure and it's not because people don't enjoy the content. We had lots of people interact with the content and then they just stopped seeing it. Like I've had, there was a, a, a friend of mine who watches every week well, sorry, who was watching every week up until when we switched to Rumble. Um, and because we weren't popping up in, in her YouTube subscriptions, she sort of dropped off. And it was literally because, like, she used to like every single Facebook post, but then Facebook just stopped showing her the, the episode posts every week, so she never got the Rumble link, so stopped watching. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a real thing. So, and yeah, a lot of people thought it was mainly to do with COVID, but what came out interestingly this week, and this was reported by Michael Schellenberger, who was one of the reporters who uh, who did one of the episodes of the Twitter files. But Facebook has moved its fact-checking uh, fact and censorship into the censoring of uh, p- 
Pulitzer Prize-winning Seymour Hersh's story about America destroying the Nord Stream 2 pipeline. Now, I'm just going to... So, I'll, I'll, I'll lay it out the way that he, he has tweeted about it. So it says, Breaking, Facebook has changed its censorship of Seymour Hersh's article. Oh, sorry. This, was, this is the update to it. So, in response to Schellenberger's original article, uh, Facebook... So, this originally used to say false information. And if you clicked on it, it would send you to a, Nor a Norwegian fact-check page called, like, Factsick, I think it was which in Norwegian explained why the, the Seymour Hersh's article was wrong. But the, the author of the fact, fact sick article was affiliated with Norwegian government media. So it was, it was pretty ridiculous. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, since then, obviously, uh, they have actually slightly updated it to have partly false information checked by independent fact checkers. So... What is interesting about this? This shows you clear as day that Facebook's censorship uh, regime is censoring articles or stories which directly look bad for the US government. Because that's what this was about. The Seymour Hersh's article was about how the Americans conspired and helped complete the destruction of the Nord Stream pipeline. So now Facebook all of a sudden has picked a side, they're the arbiters of truth, and they have chosen to uh, censor anyone who posts about Nord Stream. And just so we all know, the reason why they blew up Nord Stream is to take money out of Russia's pocket and put it into their pocket because they've done own. a deal to replace... So, that, so Germany loses because Germany was the one most affected by the blowing up of the Nord Stream 2 pipeline. Yep. And America's come in to save the day and said, well, Germany, just buy it from us. We blew it up. Buy it from us. Yeah, and they're selling them natural gas at four times the price as what they mm. were paying Russia. At four times the price because of sanctions that, that America put on Russia. Yep. So America put the, Russia, uh, the, the sanctions, that's jacked the price, yep. and now they've blown it up to uh, and, then, and then secured their own business and then... Yep got it at that massive margin yep. did you want to see the right him talking on rising about it no, well i mean no. you've summed it up we sort of we sort of gone through the gist of it but the main point that i want to make on this and this like we've we've spoken about like central bank digital currencies and how the concern about it is because they brought in you know vaccine passports so you got this digital id and then you're going to have central bank digital currencies which are going to be government controlled and then hey presto we're in the social credit system like china this is like a beta test of social credit system. Because not only are you unable to see information, which, you know, at least from an American perspective, the, the Constitution, the freedom of speech is also the freedom to hear. It's not just mm. to say what you want. It's to hear information as well. So they are violating constitutionally uh, protected speech like Facebook is doing that. They're clearly being told to do that by the government, by the US government, because they only do it on the things that matter to them. And to, yeah, to they're talking you, points. Yeah, and to give you uh, 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 sort of an example of one that doesn't matter to them, how much flat earth stuff can you see on Facebook? Yeah. Fucking heaps, yeah. right? Just look for flat earth. You can see as much as you want. So they don't really care about what is true and correct information. They just care about information that makes the American government look bad. 
But this is this is like a beta test. This is social credit system light. Because not only can you not see the information, which means the majority won't think that information because they've never been exposed to it. But it also means pages like ours, for example, we have to think twice about sharing any information in regards to yeah. this because you know you're going to get shit listed and then you lose your reach. So that is social credit system because you get punished for sharing information they don't want you to share. And I think we've just proven through this whole COVID thing, they got it wrong. Mm-hmm. The government is not always right. No. And the I think governments, governments are fallible. They're people. They have vested interests. They have corruption. Yep. They have all the things that we all we all have uh, uh, that are like the external effects on our psyches and our, our decision making. Yep. They are not perfect. They are not your boss. No, they're not your mummy. They're not your daddy. I do blame people though, because. Mm. We've done the experiment here on the show. We've read these fact checks. I read every single one now. Whenever I see something that says fact check, I go, see why? And then I go, mm. it'll give you a quick description. And then I'll go, no, give me the original article. Yeah. And I'll read the whole thing because they all follow the exact same platform. Mm. The fact check article is three times the size of the article that it's fact checking. Yeah, It starts off by saying that it's fake and then through the body of the text is just pure waffle. Yep. And then the conclusion of it is, well, yeah, it's right, but we don't like it. Yeah. And that fact sick article on Seymour Hirsch was exactly that play because the thing that they tried to reference to say that his report was wrong was because his report had a map as like a diagram, which was to show where all of Norway's Navy bases were. Mm. And it was slightly inaccurate. But in, in Seymour Hersh's own story, he said the map was inaccurate. He said it was slightly inaccurate, but it was to give you a guide of what he was talking about. Yeah, see, they, they used picked... that one thing to try to discredit yeah. the entire article. Yeah, it's like, oh, there was one spelling mistake, so this is false. We fact-checked false. Yeah. Because there's, there's, in, there's imperfections in it. and Yeah. Mm, absolutely. You've got to read it. You can't fall for it. Yeah. Um, Wouldn't it be you know, great if that when, burden of proof when you was turn used on, on When you turn on three news channels or read three different newspapers and see three different sources and everyone's using the exact same line, the exact same words. Yeah. That's a script. That's That's not the news. Yep. 100%. Um, So yeah, I, I mean, so what do you do from here? Boycott Facebook. Don't use it or don't go to Facebook for your news because it's just, it's propaganda. Like, unfortunately Mm. that's just where it's at now. All right, what else have we got here? Oh, speaking of propaganda, let's talk briefly about the Fox News case. Yeah. So Fox News um, has obviously been in the headlines recently because they were sued by uh, Dominion, the company which provides the um, election tabulating machines in America, all based on the 2020 election where Fox News uh, alleged that the election was stolen because the Dominion voting machines were hacked and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now, they they were sued for $1.6 billion was the number Dominion was after. And before it went to court, Fox actually settled by paying $787 million. 0.5. 787.5. 
Right, yeah. Don't forget uh, that 500. Yeah. So, a few points on this. Because we're going to only, only touch on it briefly. Number one, uh, I was listening to PBD's podcast and he was talking about the fact that uh, I believe Fox News only has $4 billion in cash and they've just had to pay $787 million. So, I'd round it up, say they've got $3 billion left. There is another lawsuit that has been uh, alleged against them. Same, exact same case, voting machines, but provided by a different company. I can't remember what the other company's name is. That right. company's actually sued for $2.6 So if this one sets a precedent, if they settle yeah, that one too, say you, you're settling for 50%, like what this one was, that's $1.3 billion. That's half of Fox's cash reserves, Gonski, in two cases. Secondly, this, I believe, sets a precedent for major news networks. Because if I'm someone who has been maybe defamed on a major news network, uh, I don't know, maybe over like Russian collusion or something like that, like maybe the Steele dossier, which was, uh, you know, put together by Hillary Clinton's campaign and has been proven to be completely false, which alleged uh, collusion between Donald Trump and Russia to steal the, the election. Uh, I would be getting lawyers ready to go because number one, there's money to be made here. But number two, this could literally be the death knell of traditional media. Like, there's going to be lawsuits rammed up every single media company based on this settlement. I was actually thinking, so when you first told me you want to talk about this, I was like, ah, it's not really a story. But I I agree with you. It is very, there is definitely an underlying thing there. Mm. I think it also, I think it actually ties back to the Alex Jones case. Yeah, agreed. Because I think Alex Jones made it realize that made lawmakers real not lawmakers but lawyers realize there's so much money to be made but hold on i'm trying to form the idea in my brain alex jones made a career out of the the particular case right so it could be argued that he made heaps and heaps of money talking about the thing that he alleged to do wrong later yeah okay he has to pay a billion dollars Right? Somehow he has to pay more than what Fox News does, which is yeah, wild. Wild. Um, now, Fox News goes and, and, and had, did the same thing. They went and uh, made money on a story that is alleged to be fake. Yep. And, or, or inaccurate. And they now had to pay. It could go your way where. Now all those things, any fake news now, and I'm talking real fake news, not not alleged fake news. I'm talking about uh, real uh, narratives that are built. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That these could all be litigated against, and yeah. which literally takes away the need. Like these these companies can't operate without that, those stories. That's right. That's right. The business model is gone. Yeah, and that's why that's why I brought it up because I don't. I don't... So, so, sorry, hold on. So it's either that way or. It's purely attacks on the right wing, because you've got Alex Jones who'd be as right as you get, as far right as you can get. Mm-hmm. You got Fox, who's just left of that of of um, Alex Jones. Yeah. Is it an attack whilst you've got uh, whilst you've got the Democrats in power? Is it them pushing that action on that side? Look, I. I definitely think there is an element of that 
because it's based on all the decisions the Democrats have been making in the last six months. It's clear as day. They're shit scared of Donald Trump running against them in 2024. They're doing anything they can to prevent that from happening. And obviously, Mm. Fox News, like, when it comes to American media, Fox News is the biggest and has the largest viewership out of all the news networks. And they are right-wing. MSNBC, CNN, I guess you could say they probably carve up the Democratic viewer base a little bit. So that's why Fox News gets the most viewers. So if you can apply a chilling effect to Fox News, Mm. because, you know, you would know full well. Unfortunately, Donald Trump, with the whole uh, stolen election, even even if it happens, he needs to get over it, right? That's not a winning strategy to talk about that anymore. But you know that he can't. He can't get over it because he hasn't won this thing yet. And he is a winner. So he'll keep keep flogging this horse. But it also means that Fox News can't cover any of that. Correct. So, yeah. yeah, It's the chilling effect, right? They need to think twice. Because if you're correct and it is the democratic government element to it, they're going to be going over everything Fox News broadcasts with a fine-tooth comb to see if there's another opportunity. And then they're going to probably alert whoever, hey, your company, they've defamed you. Go sue them. Use this settlement Mm -hmm. as as your your precedent. Yeah, yeah. And you've you've got um, here's here's some pre-prepared lawyers to uh, take them down. But but I do think that there is going to be retaliation. And I think if anyone can retaliate, it is Donald Trump. You know, like, well, but even, even, you could probably even have people like, if you were a family member, for example, of someone who died during COVID that got vaccinated and then got COVID and died, like, you could prop, could you not sue like Rachel Maddow? She's got that famous quote of her saying, like, if you get the vaccine, the virus stops with you. Like, you can't get it, you can't spread it. That's happening. That's happening. Not, not to that point yet. Yeah. But as we predicted, there's a lot of employment ones. So, people that have been put off, um, um, that were that lost work during it mandates, and yep. now starting yep they're now starting to come out of the woodwork and starting yep. to put cases up you know you're seeing like it's all that will absolutely be dismantled and we we'd said it during like people are going to make stacks and stacks of money if you can hold yep. on if you could keep your wits about and yes it's hard and i wouldn't wish it upon anyone but if you if you were strong enough and smart enough and strategic enough to play your cards right you will sue and you will win yeah because now there's all these precedents getting set. Mm. It's mm. pretty wild. It's 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 going to be very interesting to, to keep an eye on who who goes next. Uh, what else have we got here? I think that's it. Oh, I'll, I'll cover one last thing because I just had some thoughts on this. The Pentagon document leaks. So we, we spoke yep. about this last week. It was still fairly fresh breaking news when we covered it last week. But obviously there's been a little bit more time to digest it and... We've seen a lot of what has happened since the arrest of the young man. Uh, what's his last name? I don't want to name him. I don't want to name him. <clears throat> okay. So, my my initial gut instinct on this, and I think I said it last week, was that it didn't smell right to me at all. And there was a few reasons why. Number one, I could see some real benefits to the US government to have this information out in the marketplace. I could see some benefits, such as the red line that China said about any NATO weaponry being used to attack Russia. Uh, That 
could be used as justification for America to withdraw NATO support of Ukraine because they can go, oh, we don't want to cause World War Three with China. So if they want to get out of Ukraine, that's a built-in get-out. Um, there was also the information about Zelensky's ministers siphoning off the top uh, money being Duh. used to buy diesel, which ironically was being bought from Russia at a discounted yeah. rate. Yeah. So it sounds like Zelensky and his... Well, that, hey, that's fair because, like, if you're an American taxpayer, you want them getting a good deal. Well, yeah, but... It's, it seems Why would I buy that American stuff for four times the price so that I can get this Russian stuff that's over the border for the right seem, price? Doesn't it seem a little bit strange that Russia would be providing diesel at whatever price to someone they're at war with? Bit strange. Well, the guy that sells diesel does. <laughs> yeah, but what does that do? That starts to breed the distrust of Zelensky. Right, So Zelensky, and we said this at the beginning of it, he was put up as the martyr, right? He was the fierce leader. Uh, remember right back at the beginning, America offered him to go and like pick him up. And he was like, no, nah, I'm going to stay here and fight. Like, and everyone's like, oh my God, Zelensky, he's the man. And he became, he was the beacon, right? He was the sales pitch the for the American people. The money is here in the center of Ukraine. Yeah. <laughs> this is where the money is. I cannot leave until I get the money. Yeah, which he recorded from his studio in LA. <coughs> but, oh, yeah, and you like, do you like whenever they fly someone over and they're doing the walkout and it's like... The, the air yeah, raid yeah. sirens go on. Oh, yep. how convenient. Just as I stepped out. Yeah, when there hadn't been air raid sirens in Kiev for like months at that point yeah. in time, but just when yeah. Biden and Zelensky are walking through, they set them off for a yeah. for a, um, a media appearance. I'll but put in the comments below who you think um, Zelensky's uh, impersonation was better, Jason's or mine. Put in the comments. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, mine was assisted by the fact I'm in sick all week, as you guys can yeah. probably hear. Um, but yeah, so that that I think is really important, right? Because if you they used american support of Zelensky to justify sending all the money to ukraine well now these documents allow you to foster hatred towards Zelensky because you call him corrupt because him and his little cronies are stolen for about 400 million dollars by the sounds of it between them mm. uh so then like this this sort of supports my initial thoughts of them trying to back their way out of it what we've then subsequently found out about it is okay yes this guy was a, a guardsman He's 21 years old. He didn't have clearance for the information that he had. So the, he shouldn't have been able to actually get a hold of this information, even though he he worked for the armed forces, which just sort of makes you go, was he fed this information by someone else who wanted it out there? You know, it, it, just, it just smells really, really bad. And I feel like there are... I think you hold these organizations into too high regard. I think about the businesses you've worked at. You've seen sensitive information that you're not supposed to see. It's just there. I don't think yeah. it's that hard. Yeah, yeah, that's that is fair. But there's a big there's a big difference between, you know, uh, sensitive personal information and highly classified documents. Mm. 
I just so, can't believe that no one's talking about the content of the documents and they're just talking about this kit. Well, that's the next thing I was going to get to. The If you wanted any indication of whose side the media is on, look mm. at how the reporting came down. All they spoke about was how did this young kid get a hold of these documents and how can we prevent that from happening again and how can we catch people who are leaking these documents even though they are documents that should be on public record like it was information mm. there that we we should know about as the taxpayers funding this war it did it also showed um that the u.s does have soldiers on the ground in the conflict which the administration has been saying they're not so they are already at war the thing that got me is that death the russian death number that was yeah. so wildly wrong yeah like war we've been told because it's funny in the street when people talk about it everyone says oh russia had no idea what they were getting themselves into yeah ukrainians so good and 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 like they just they thought they're going to walk all over, on top of them and they they've just been decimated yeah it's like okay well what we quoted two hundred fifty thousand dead russians yeah and what is it Sixteen thousand. it's like sixteen thousand. yeah yeah complete like different stratosphere yeah. so it's just been lied to Again, again, again. It's just yep. a narrative. Yeah. Or again, this document could be a lie. Look, it ab- it absolutely could. But the question is, let's say the document's a lie. What's the benefit of the lie? Well, it's probably everything I just outlined. Yeah. To me, the benefit of lying about those documents is the US trying to get an exit strategy from Ukraine because yep. the money's already been made. The rebuilding contracts have already been signed with BlackRock and all those big hedge funds. And now they want to pivot to taiwan and china yeah so they need to get out and this is a pretty good way of doing it but yeah it just yep. it, i i feel for this kid i really really do because i reckon he's been set up what's that he'll right? be put in a box he'll be put in a box for the rest of his life yeah well, i mean look at julian yeah. assange uh, now yeah. sorry that was another point that i was thinking about during the week too julian assange is still in a box they've been yeah. they've been chasing assange for two decades now yeah. All he did was publish the information that he was yeah. given. Every media outlet has published some of the documents that this kid leaked. Why aren't they all in prison? I mean, it's that same question. And we said that Albo should step in. Albo should should get him out. He's an Australian citizen. Get him yeah. out. Yeah. Get him out. He's a publisher. Yeah. Get him out. But actually with what's just happened to Fox, maybe there can be further litigation against these. Maybe maybe the government doesn't like the media anymore. But who who's going to litigate? No, the government will always like the media because the government needs their propaganda arm, right? The, the government's never but going to sue them. Haven't we learned, haven't we learned that like Murdoch Press is nowhere near as powerful in Australia as what it has been? All their labour bashing still got labour in government yeah I, is there a changing of the guard look may maybe um, i don't know you, you might be right but it also begs the question as to whether or not you know murdoch's been paid off to just just be the you know the controlled opposition because yeah, they maybe. knew that that wasn't effective for what the last three to four years at least they've known that it's not effective and they just kept flogging mm. the same horse so if you if you know your strategy is not effective, you've got to change it. If you don't change it, there's usually a reason behind it. Either you're grossly True. incompetent, which I don't really expect Rupert Murdoch to be grossly incompetent. 
or there's a reason for you not to change your strategy because it's actually working who knows yeah anyway let's leave it there guys on that note thank you very much for joining us keep your eyes peeled and your ears to the ground because there is a shitload going on and we'll see a couple hours back see ya see ya